0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: you know on pinterest you see all these like perfect little coops and oh, they're clean, yeah. and they're like got the flowers outside and it's like this this thing in newsflash it is not like that yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome, friends. It's so glad to have you here today, and I am always excited to start all of our conversations because they always are interesting topics to me and something that I think all of us are going to enjoy. This week, we are going to talk chickens. Chickens. And I told you guys last week that we would and I am just so excited about talking about chickens for the very reason that I got to talk with two friends. And like most people in the pandemic, I think there was like a, I don't even know how many people. I I'm sure there's a percentage of people that went and bought chickens in the pandemic and then proceeded to build a chicken coop in the pandemic. And Mike and I I think in March, we're like, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Like, almost every night we would talk ourselves out of it until one night we were like, nope, we're doing it. We're just going to do it. Yeah, we're doing it. We're going to get chickens. <sighs> so, anyways, we've got chickens. We have 13 chickens and I have really fallen in love with them. I wasn't so sure about it at first, to be honest, because with two young kids, it seemed like a lot of an undertaking and it was, but we all enjoy the chickens so very, very much. They are always a good laugh. We enjoy all the things that they bring into our life, not just the dirt and grime, not just the smells, but also just the pure fun and enjoyment of who they are what they do, the way they contribute to our garden, the way they contribute to our lives. There's nothing more enjoyable when you have land and you have a place that you can have chickens to just watch these chickens meander around. They're hilarious. They're such good entertainment. And when you don't have a lot of other entertainment, it's basically the best. And there's something so calming about them. So anyways... I went through this whole adventure and started it with knowing nothing. And I am by no means a chicken expert, not even in the slightest. I am learning every single day more and more about how to be a chicken owner. We built the most crazy coop and that's another conversation for another day. But in the process of having chickens, like when you are a parent... You need to have a group of people that are your support system for chicken ownership. The people that you're going to call on when your chickens get lice, when a weasel comes in, in the middle of the night, when they don't, they lay a funny looking egg, any of it. You need people you can ask. It's just like parenting. When something weird happens, it's better to ask your friend than to ask Google. So that said to answer all of the crazy questions that I get about chickens that I am no expert in answering. I brought in two women who I deeply respect especially for their knowledge on chickens, but for a lot of other reasons. They are both incredible people and they do they have their own private life outside of media of any kind. So I'm not going to use their last names for their own privacy, but I have my friends Corinne and Adrian on today, and they are my text chain. There is not a day that goes by where we don't have some hilarious text messaging conversation, whether it be about gardening, farming, husbands, chickens, children, whatever it may be. It is one of my most enjoyable text chains that I am on. And we have so many good laughs, but some of the stories that we tell about chickens. Had to go on to this podcast. So they obliged and came on, and we discussed all sorts of chicken things, answered a lot of questions that you guys had about broody hens, about pests or predators, about you name it, the, even the things that we wish we had known before we got chickens. So I have them on. And just to give you a little background, we all know each other because Corinne's husband, he built our home and Adrian's home. So we kind of all connected in that way. And then, um, outside of building and running a construction business, Corinne's family or Corinne is also a kindergarten teacher and she has six children of her own and she has over 25 chickens, if I'm correct. It's always changing. And then Adrian is a doctor here locally that works in the hospital and has been a part of the craziness of the pandemic. And she also has three boys of her own. And she has probably... I'm going to guess because this is she's going to laugh. But I actually don't know how many chickens she has right now because she just got a bunch and she snuck one in underneath her husband's nose. But I think we're approaching 30. So they have double the... They both have double the amount of chickens that I have. So they are they have a lot of knowledge. And so we are going to have a good laugh and we're going to have a good conversation today. And I hope you guys feel like you're hanging out with your girlfriends. So because that's basically what this was and you guys got to listen in on our conversation. So let's jump on in. First of all, I want to just establish like who you guys are, like as individuals separate of your chicken kingdom that (laughs) you have. And the thing is, is like I think about like, since we started our text chain, like kind of like, I have these text chains, like I'm sure you guys do with like other moms, you know, mm-hmm. like where you just text and you like, you know, complain about something or be like, you never guess what happened or, you know, yep. and there's some like camaraderie that happens with that. And so mm-hmm. I kind of make this as like, I would say it's equivalent to that. <laughs> right. It's like you're you about like I a talk tribe. about children too, but
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: But I think it's like, everyone needs a text chain for, if you have chickens, you need a text chain, just like you do have a text chain for your kids.
2: For sure. And I will, I will say too, like when we, so this, we're in our ninth year um, of having chickens right now. And when we got chickens, no one else had them. It wasn't a thing really. I mean, you know, if you think about nine years ago, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say no one. We had one other set of friends that had three in their downtown backyard. Um, But otherwise, it really wasn't a trend then. How I feel like it is now, it's become much more common in the last few years, especially I feel like this last year with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people took it on as a hobby. But when we first started this, I didn't have anyone to go to you know, you, there was no one else to talk to about it. So when you show up after school one day and there's a bloodbath in your coop, you're like, it was just just me calling Nick and him telling me to get my farm pants on. And I was like, uh, you know, (laughs) so like I had to call an actual farm vet who came and helped or, you know, my father-in-law had helped a lot because he grew up on a farm. But no, I think that that's, it's super important for All avenues of trying to keep things alive. You need mm-hmm. to have your you need to have your tribe, your text your text group.
1: <laughs> well, our text chain kind of started because of Weasel. Yeah, and I have not laughed so hard. <laughs> I, I think that was the hardest I laughed in a year, which you know. And it's not hard to not laugh in 2020, but, (laughs) but I was in tears reading your text messages (laughs) of you getting this weasel out of your coop, but they're also adorable at the same time.
0: It was really hard to go after it with a pitchfork but I'll be honest that like mama bear rage comes out in you and you've got this hen that's being attacked that you hatched yourself and raised from a baby your mama bear rage comes out and you just see blood and you go after it but I failed I mean you guys know it took us eight days to get the weasel the weasel came back every day for eight days and it terrorized the girls and um finally we got it with a chicken liver trap but um you know, and it was pretty, it was beautiful little weasel, but it had to die because it was it coming my girls. There. So yeah. <laughs> we just my, had, to, it had to die.
2: <laughs> my favorite part of that text thread was when she said she was inside and could hear the girls screaming and she ran out, like just envisioning her and especially in my pajamas. Know, right. And I know the space so well, right? Because I lived there for five years. So envisioning her like running down the driveway out of the garage, like chasing after the coop. I was just like, I, yeah, like, like a crazy person. Oh, I was. And I'm so
0: shocked that, I mean, our neighbors, I mean, we live on 22 acres and so our neighbors aren't exactly, you know, close, but they're definitely an earshot. And I'm surprised the police didn't show up because I was, (laughs) (laughs) i was literally like you would think that someone was murdering me or my child and i was screaming so loud and i'm sure there were naughty words coming out and i'm just so and i I was just screaming like get off her get off her and like you would think that someone was you know doing something really terrible to someone that i loved but (laughs) and they were well i mean they were they were weasel, and it was rapunzel and it was a problem but um, I'm really, sh- I was just waiting for the police car lights to come up the driveway because someone had <laughs> called 911 <laughs> thinking that someone was murdering my family. It was really <laughs> comical. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. And then it also ruined our date night. Like five days later, we went to date night at farm club and came home just at night. Like right when it got dark, we left a little early just to kind of shut the girls in and make sure they were safe and They had gotten two while we were gone, and it was just the first date night I have in a year. And this little weasel. (laughs) That's definitely, that's I will say that.
2: Like, if I had one, I don't know, I think I have five multiple words of advice for people, but that would be one of the biggest is that you have to be ready for loss. Like, if you are going Mm -hmm. to take on getting chickens, you have to be ready for loss. Like, I remember you know, we've obviously lost, we had a Bobcat come in, not last summer, but the summer before and took out three. Um, and surprisingly, that's all we have lost in our four years at this farm. Um, and it was kind of creepy too, because she came in the middle of the day when my kids were outside playing. Mm -hmm. Now Bobcats are super docile to humans. Like they would only ever come after you if they felt threatened, you know, especially if they had babies with them, but you know, but it just was a little unsettling knowing that she was coming I mean, she very close to the house. Like one of the feather patches we found was right by the kids swing set, wow. but we, ha- we lost quite a few Adrian when we were at big red. Yes. And there was, um, one time where we, you know, we had lost enough where I had stopped, um, allowing them to be free ranging unless we were home. Mhm-, and they had been out with us all day. It was the middle of the summer, and it was at work. I was home with the kids and I needed to run to the gas station for something and so loaded the kids up. We were gone no more than twenty minutes and we came back, and our entire flock was gone oh my and gosh. there was patches of feathers all over, and I was hysterical, and the kids were you know five and under. We just had the three boys at that time and so they're hysterical, and I'm hysterical, and there's just feathers everywhere in the yard. And um, I ended up finding them. They were all huddled underneath the front porch in a really far corner. But we lost four that day. Wow. Um, and we still don't know if it was a bird of prey or a coyote. Nick thinks it was a fox. Regardless, it was super traumatic. So I think that. And I've had some friends over the last few years that have gotten chickens and only last like a year because they lose so many of them and they just can't uh, stomach it right Mm -hmm. after that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the biggest thing is you just have to realize like nature is nature. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you live on a farm or you live on land, it's going to happen. And you just have to prepare yourself for that. So whether it's a weasel, I mean, even if they're not out free ranging, there's ways that it happens. And I think that that's an important thing to realize because I think a lot of people going, go into it thinking it's going to be super easy. And there are these cute little chicks and they're fluffy and they're fuzzy. And you don't think about things like weasels and lice and (laughs)
1: coyotes
2: and birds of prey and things that, you know, yeah. Or they turn on each other. Especially if you live somewhere where it's cold and it's the dead of winter. They do, yeah. That's well, another Actually, thing.
1: Yeah. That's here's that's the hard. next thing. Because I haven't even told you guys the story. I was holding it. I was holding this one till this because uh-huh. I because <gasps> it's you guys did a lot see of googling text and in
0: action here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I started when we had their lice problem, which we can get into, but because everybody I think uh, gets to a point where you have lice on some in some way or you have to think about it but right. the the thing that happened was I was going through this process of you know we cleaned out the coop and did all this stuff and then I started noticing on like four of the hens that on the like back of their head there was like this like bear spot and I was like this is weird and I started googling it and there was like a lot of information on it and I was then I went back out later that afternoon and I was like prepping our garden beds, which are right by it. And our lead hen, Dolly, cause we don't have a rooster. I, I heard this like scream and I was like from the run and I look over and she's mounting them and grabbing the back of their heads. Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god (laughs) like what are you doing (laughs) and sure enough it's like this dominance thing that i read about and then i don't know if you guys know this but if they stop laying and they're also doing that there's potential they can turn they can actually sexually you know turn and become a rooster no yes i So never they don't like gain the parts, but they will grow like all the feathers, like the pluming. They will do everything else. They can't actually no. like inseminate or anything like that, but they can, you know, yeah. Wow. They can just, that
0: is new information. Right? Okay. I'm officially kind
1: of chicken, more or less. Like they can be yeah. like, Oh, and.
0: Well, I mean, I will definitely say having a root, because I didn't say we have um 18 hens and three roosters and getting 10 baby chicks, uh, in a couple weeks coming. But, um, having roosters definitely cuts down on the pecking order a lot because they, they don't tolerate it because they want them all to be healthy so that they can mount them themselves. But Mm -hmm. they definitely cut down a lot on the pecking order, which, and they, they kind of protect the flock a little bit too, because they are always on the lookout for predators and warning them. Like if there is something they'll warn them and they'll all go hide under a tree or something. And I've, I've witnessed them actually save my flock twice this summer from a hawk because they'll like warn them and then they'll go under a tree and the hawk won't find them. So it's interesting that you say that the hen kind of takes on that dominant role. Mm And I I definitely, there's definitely a pecking order and you know, who's at the top and who's at the bottom when there are just hens, but it's harder to kind of figure out when there are roosters around because they're all sort of submissive to the rooster, which is. That's really interesting. I'm going to have to read on that.
1: I know. I I was so fascinated and yeah, Dolly's kind of a she's the lead hen and she can she's, be quite quite the bully
2: if you're yeah, not mm-hmm. careful.
1: And she's it, also Yeah, they get one- nasty. Yeah, they can be. And mm-hmm. she she snaps at everybody like all the time. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to make sure that she was still because we haven't, even though we go in and we feed them every day and, you know, do the whole deal, we're not like handling them as much, but also because they had lice and we just didn't want to like get involved too much. Like we aren't holding them as much as we were like last summer and last fall. And right now. And so I was like, I need to make sure that she still thinks. I am the one that's in control too, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. ultimate boss. And so I went in there, you know, and check to make sure like put my hand over her and see if she like, you know, does the squat. squat. She right. did. Yep. But I was, you know, it's always good to double check those things to see who's, who's the real queen. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So one thing, one method I heard that,
0: um, well, I already read, and we actually tried it because we had one hen that was just really nasty. And so we removed her for Mm. like two weeks from the flock and then she got let back into the flock again and she lost her spot in the pecking order and the 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 bullying really got cut down a lot I mean another hen had Mm. kind of risen to being the head hen but she um she, you know, she, that new hen wasn't quite as dominant as the other one. And she wasn't causing, you know, blood or really attacking the other hens. She was just kind of when they would get in her food area, you know? So, I mean, that's one way if if Dolly does become too dominant is to just remove yeah. her from the flock for a week or two and then bring her back in. And that might kind of, it shakes things up a little bit.
1: Yeah. And that's what I was kind of wondering is if this doesn't yeah. change now that it's warming up and there's more warming. things to do then we might need to pull her for a while because it's just like mm-hmm. kind of inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like a little mm-hmm. much.
2: <clears throat> yeah. We had to do that. We had a black, I can never pronounce this. the, the black astral mm-hmm. that okay. right. Adrienne mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. 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 When we lived at big red and she, I mean, they're an amazing hearty breed for winners, which is one of the reasons um that we got her. She was our dominant hen for years. Um, but she, yeah, she got super nasty. We had to pull her and we would put her in the shed that was right next to um, the chicken coop every now and then just to separate her for a while and realize, like, get her to realize, yeah, you're like, you don't run ship. You're gonna fall in the same. We never had roosters until we were here. So we dealt with that a lot, the pecking order a lot. Um, and they're, they're super great layers all year round, but they are known for being
0: um, a little dominant. Yeah. Well, a little nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For anybody who doesn't have chickens, that's listening. I think it's, they are really fun and they are actually, I think quite easy to take care of as far mm-hmm. as like compared to a dog or indoor pets. Um, you know, they're very easy to take care of, but um, but I think you do need to spend time in your flock and you need mm-hmm. to spend time with them because it's weird. They do all have personalities and they do all, you know, you know, who's who um, mm-hmm. you get to learn their personalities and who's who. And I thought that was super weird when I first, you know, started having chickens and, and like Corinne was telling, because, you know, when we moved into Corinne's house, we inherited seven of her chickens and she's mm-hmm. out there telling me, you know, this is so-and-so and she doesn't like this and she's like this. And I'm like how on earth can you tell, you know, like that's insane, but like they really do have personalities and you really do do. get to know them when you're spending time in the flock, but it's really important because you can tell who's, who's pecking or who's being pecked or who's kind of looking, you know, it's really important because you need to see who's, who might be getting fleas or lice Mm -hmm. or, or who's not, who's not laying well or there, you know, it just gives you a much better kind of beat on what the, what the, what's going on in the coop. And I can even tell after being gone for a week, like when I'm at work, I'm never out there because I work such long hours. And Carl, my husband is the one who's kind of does the chickens when I'm at work on my weeks on. And I feel like I lose I lose the, the kind of the beat of what's happening in the, in the coop. And if he weren't there to tell me what's going on, you know, you kind of, kind of got to get reacquainted with the girls again. And then that roosters, they have to get reacquainted with you because there is, you have to show your dominance with them otherwise they'll kind of peck you and be, be mean, but right. um, Yeah. So chickens are amazing. They're easy, but I think you do need to spend time with them. So you can really be a good chicken mama and know like, Mm -hmm. or dad. And know what's going on in the coop because they're it's a little community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It yeah. is,
2: and it's important too because they. One of the things that I learned too is that they can go from being one hundred percent fine, and twenty four hours later dead. Yeah, like chickens die super fast. <laughs> You know, whereas I feel like with a lot of other animals, there's like warning signs beforehand, like dogs and cats will stop drinking or stop eating for a few days and they're lethargic. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's like these warning signs, but chickens can go from acting totally normal to dead, Mm -hmm. rock hard dead (laughs) in like, you know, 12 to 24 hours, which I didn't also did not know that prior to owning them. And, um. And they also will turn on a chicken if they can sense that it's getting sick, like they'll start pecking it and attacking it it. and kill it, which is also nature taking its course, right? Like they're realizing that this chicken is not well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, so that's another reason to, you know, we've had some egg bound and we've had some stuff where we've had to deal with with the girls. And it's just important to be in there because you notice those things, man, it's not for the lighthearted. It really isn't.
1: No, and it cracks me up because, you know, on Pinterest, you see all these like perfect little coops and they're oh, clean yeah. and they're like got the flowers outside and it's like this this thing. And newsflash, it is not like that. Yeah, no. <laughs> it is not at all. It is not that clean. It is not that prim. It is not that proper and I have like deep anxiety about like the the salmonella and the germs in the house and like the poop and like Nick the whole too. thing. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a germ weirdo is sometimes, even though I let my kids eat dirt, I, I, I still am, uh, you know, about the chickens. It's like your boots that were in there. They don't ever come in the house. Like they yeah. stay the Mix same same. Yeah.
2: the same way. <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I don't think that's i think that's good i think that's i, think, I mean well, they,
1: especially when these, you have a little kid a, a baby right. in the house particularly right. that's crawling or eating everything right. off the floor
0: yeah yeah well so, and then just within
2: these last few years as it's become super popular to to own chickens there's all of these articles out that are like please do not smuggle your chickens. like yeah. they're not meant to be smuggled you will get sick somebody will get sick. It's not healthy. (laughs) You know, and so I think they're not, you know, they're not meant to be pets in that aspect, right? You know, So (laughs) I don't know, But, but yeah, I think that's definitely, I think that's legit worrying about that.
1: Yes. Well, and I just always crack up because even like the gardening idea of like you garden in a dress or you're holding chickens wearing a dress or things like that you don't do that and, it, and no. it's not like that no and <laughs> so you got there, your mucks on and your heart right.
0: hat and your yeah and your yeah. baby coat that you've worn for 12 years and it's got chicken poop on it and yep. that is yeah
1: glamorous yeah yeah and yeah. you
0: don't you don't flip flop either
1: like mm-hmm. i love <laughs> No, they will peck queen, your feet. Right. I yeah. am the
2: queen of flip-flops. And not only do They're they, so they awesome. peck your toes, yeah. but you will end up with chicken poop on your feet. Everywhere. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's, that's just not, and it's not so an awful. okay thing.
1: Awful. Awful. It, it awful. <laughs> it is rank.
0: <laughs> it's right up there along really, Yeah. Have you guys ever walked out into the coop with flip-flops on with red painted toenails? Oh, Yeah.
1: <laughs> no i haven't
0: because yeah. you know when they see red they like it's like blood and then they just go after it and start pecking and attacking and then yeah i did that one time that's all it takes well and, and you that's another thing cycle, you mean? right that's <clears throat> another
2: thing i don't think people realize about chickens is that they are actually carnivores yeah they yeah. love to eat meat Which is why when they're free ranging, they're digging up grubs and bugs and ticks and all of that stuff. But, you know, we feed them obviously grain and and chicken feed and people don't realize like when I've talked to people before, like all about them turning on each other and pecking each other and stuff and how they will, like we had a chicken once I came home and literally all that was left was the skeleton. Oh gosh. And people, they're like mortified by this, which it, it is horrifying. But that's like they that, they want to eat meat and blah. Yeah. It's uh-huh. gross, but people don't mm-hmm. realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they think that they like corn and fruits and vegetables, which they also do.
1: They'll eat um, anything.
2: They'll eat anything. Garbage
1: disposals. Yeah. They, they are, garbage are
2: garbage disposals, which I love.
1: <laughs> Nothing goes
2: to waste when you have chickens.
1: No, I always but, say that if it, if it's starting to go bad, you might as well just feed it to the chickens because it's going to turn mm-hmm. into an egg. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we
2: love it. Or for it's not going the- to waste. <laughs> no, nothing goes to waste when you have chickens. One of the things I love most about them.
0: Since you guys are on the topic of nothing going to waste with chickens. Um, we've found that the chickens, you know how they don't lay as much in the winter. And so, you know, a lot of people don't want to keep them over winter because they're not earning their keep by laying. And, um, we've found that we basically put them to work making compost all winter mm-hmm. and they, like, we just pile in leaves and, our food scraps and um, whatever sprouted grains we give them. And we just, and then they poop on that pile and then they dig through it and then they turn it while they're eating and then they poop on it some more. And we just go in and turn it like once a week. And it's there in there all winter working. And then in the spring, we have this beautiful ready to go compost pile that is worked. I mean, a chicken will work a compost pile in three weeks if you let Mm -hmm. them, you know, they're just so efficient at making compost. And so, um, you know, we didn't even have to buy any compost this year for our garden because we just used the big pile that was, um, in the chicken coop that had been getting turned all winter. And the other really cool thing about it is that, you know, how compost piles get like really steamy and hot, Mm -hmm. Well, the chickens, they love that because it keeps them warm. And so they all just want to congregate on top of this pile and then they can forage because they're naturally like digging through this pile, looking for things to eat. It also, because it's so warm, it attracts all the like red crawler worms into the chicken coop. And so not only can the chickens eat, but the red crawlers are then active all winter turning our compost and it keeps them also occupied. So they're not bored and pecking each other in the winter when they can't be out. So, yeah. so we, I mean, car, it was all Carl and I'm sure it came from a combination of watching YouTube all winter, last winter, and just trying to figure out how to, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. And, um, and like, it was just brilliant. And it's, and it's the second winter we've done that now. And we've got this beautiful compost that's ready to go the next spring. And so the chickens have earned their keep. They're not bored. They're not pecking each other. They're eating good nutritious worms and food that they've gotten. They're pooping on the pile. They're producing more compost. It's like brilliant. And so then in the summer we just or in the spring when we do the big spring coop clean out, we just scoop it all out. We add a little bit of the deep layer bedding to it because we use cedar chips and then we throw it on the garden. And last summer our garden you guys like I didn't add any amendments it was just, it went bonkers. So I mean, if That's any of you guys need to like justify having your chickens in the winter that aren't laying as many eggs, then that right there alone will do it. Cause if you know how much compost costs, you're gonna, yeah. um, you're gonna save right. a ton of money on compost right there. So it, I mean, right. And also just going into it,
2: knowing like they're not going to lay in the winter and they're still your responsibility. Yeah. Like nothing gets me more when people buy them as cute chicks from Tractor Supply and then six months later don't want them anymore like this is an investment you don't get to just have them when they're cute or when they're laying and that's mm-hmm. another thing too is that it takes four to six months before they'll start laying mm-hmm. so like a lot of people get them I think and expect to start having eggs in like two months October <laughs> Right. You have to, we've always gotten our girls Mm -hmm. around the beginning of June, uh, whenever we get new ones, they don't start laying until like October or November.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's
2: another really important thing to realize is that, you know, this is, they're an investment. You don't get to just have them when it's convenient or when they're laying and, you know, they go through natural cycles, just like Mm -hmm. humans do. Mm -hmm. and um i always just i'm super passionate about that because i think a lot of people get them because they think it's just going to be fun and you really have to invest in them
1: yeah and and i think as somebody this is me first we're approaching a year i guess um and i've learned a ton i am also somebody who doesn't fear being dirty and disgusting as much as i don't like germs in my house like from them i don't care about being in it um but i have found that when i kind of approached them similarly to you adrian where it was like i'm not just utilizing them for eggs eggs are kind of to me the bonus the rest like i wanted them to help with the soil and everything Mm -hmm. out in our especially with how sandy we all have soil out here you really gotta Right. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work. And So yeah. um, once you get it there, it's great. But I really wanted them for that. And but I had our compost piles are like right next to the run. And now I'm like, why don't we just like pull that stuff in there and give it to them? Because it, it didn't it. really... I always struggle in the winter to get it all broken down well enough because of how cold it gets, and it's really Mm -hmm. hard to maintain that heat even with tarps and everything over it. It just doesn't. You get the mice in there sometimes, but I just don't. I feel like it took two years to get our last compost pile really down to where I wanted it, but I hadn't thought about bringing into the coop, and that's yeah, let them do it and have doors that open into the coop from like that are up so a predator couldn't get into them but you can unlatch them and then like move stuff in and out of them it's mm-hmm. a great yeah, idea can.
0: No, yeah I mean just don't forget to turn your pile every you know every week or two just like mm-hmm. you would in the summer you turn it and we also like when we're feeding the chicks water when we're taking water out to there we fill the bucket a little extra full and then we'll just dump the extra water on the um like the compost area in the mm-hmm. um in the run. And then that, um, keeps it moist because you have to keep watering your, your compost Mm -hmm. pile and that keeps it moist. And then, you know, but it's so warm that it keeps their feet warm and yeah, they're just, they just love it. And we've had so much less like boredom pecking as well. Um, but they really turn it fast and it's beautiful compost in the spring and yeah, it was like when Carl came up with that system, I was like,
1: okay, you just, that's brilliant. Like, nice work, honey. I'm so proud of him for that. Yeah, that's such a great idea. I might have to like go do that. I know not this weekend, but it's going to be kind of gross, but <laughs> yeah. I might have to take it out there and just get it going because I, I like, I really inspired. The one yeah. thing that I do think that was kind of surprising me when we were building the cube and I remember texting Corinne about this, but like, they, and i get a lot of questions about it is like what do you do in the winter with these hens like how do they stay warm like you know and i remember saying like are they going to be okay like when it's like super cold this when we got that deep freeze Mm -hmm. and you guys were very confident you weren't even like this is no big deal but i like i think giving some tips is something people would really love to hear i mean obviously i can give them but you guys are who gave them to me so let it (laughs) out
2: (laughs) Well, I think insulation, obviously, when you're building your coop, when you live somewhere where you're going to have cold winters, um, is super important. I remember that was one of the first things that Meg asked me when they started building was, do we need to insulate it? And I was, and Nick was like, yep, absolutely. Without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, Adrian's chicken coop, Nick also bought, we used to call it the "chick uh, coop, mahal" because Mm -hmm. it has, um, hardwood floors while laminate. Mm -hmm high-end laminate hardwood floors that were left over from from a job um and has like super nice siding that was also left over from a job and like we just would giggle when we would see it um but you know he he took building to that coop like he built houses (laughs) which you know is it's going to last
1: at least a hundred years, according to me. It,
2: exactly. It <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm so, for it. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, and then our current coop was um, obviously built the same way. The one we have now is ginormous and it's built off the side of our barn. So it is actually like our barn is heated. And so some of the heat will just naturally flow into the coop. But that's another thing is that you are not supposed to heat the coop. And that's a big Mm -hmm. mistake that a lot of people make. It will make them really Mm -hmm. sick. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just really, it's about how you build your coop. Especially if you live somewhere where you're going to have cold winters, um, it has to be insulated. Quality of coop Mm -hmm. is really, really important. I think that's crucial.
0: So one other thing to remember is that chickens are essentially... They're reptilian, you know. They're they're. There's the closest thing we've got to dinosaurs alive today. So they're they're basically reptiles, and they will adapt to the temperature. Their bodies will adapt to the temperature, just like lizards will. Mm -hmm. So as it gets colder in the fall and warmer in the spring, their bodies will also naturally sort of adjust to that. And so heating your coop kind of prevents them from adjusting the way that they were designed to. And so, um, that's another argument for avoiding heating a coop. Plus it's really hard to heat a coop with all that dry bedding in it without catching fire. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the only time to really heat chickens is kind of in the, in the, when they're babies and they haven't gotten their feathers yet. And they need that warmth from their mother, like the heat lamp. But in the sun, yeah. In the winter, we don't we don't heat them at all. The only thing we really do to prepare for winter um, for our chickens is we we have that like corrugated plastic kind of siding stuff that we we put on parts of the coop where like the wind kind of blows drifts through or the wind is really strong. So not the whole coop because it's really important for them to get good circulation and airflow but we'll put it where the wind is the worst. And that will sort of protect them from a lot of snow getting into the run. It'll protect them from those really harsh winds that we get up here. I live on a hill. If Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't don't know where I live or what Big Red is. (laughs) Um, I live on a hill and it's a lot, it's very windy. And so um, if you can just protect them from that, and we just put, you know, over, I'd say about, Fifty to sixty percent of our run has those corrugated plastic, and we take them off in the spring. So, and then we obviously patch holes or anything that looks like a, a weasel could potentially get into, mm-hmm. um, as best we can. Um, but we also do something called deep layer, deep layer bedding. And instead of like cleaning out the bedding, we just add cedar chips to it. And mm-hmm. like every every three weeks or a month, we add a new, a new layer, and that layer itself forms like an insulation and it keeps them really warm. And when they're all huddled in their, in their actual coop at nighttime, when they're all kind of snuggled in together, it's really warm in there and they get yeah. it really warm in there. And so um, they'll, they'll keep themselves warm. And again, they'll keep themselves warm on top of the compost pile if you have one mm-hmm. in your coop. And um, and if you can just block the wind and the snow from getting in, cause their feet and their combs can get frostbit really quickly. Um, you're really just doing them a service, but you know, they were bred to, or they're born, raised, whatever designed to, you know, adjust their body temperatures the same way lizards kind of sun on the rocks. So
1: they'll do it themselves. And you see them like fluff their feathers up in that dry air and which is really cool. And they have like winter feathers and then they have summer feathers and, Mm -hmm. and you, and getting certain breeds, like cold hardy breeds. Like they're yeah. literally designed to like, I see uh, like last summer, our hens, they, you know, if it was 80 degrees, even in the shade, they were just panting Yeah, and, and it's because they're designed to be winter.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, and I yeah. think that's another thing too, is <clears throat> aside from the days getting shorter and the sunlight getting shorter in the winter, that's another reason that they don't lay around is because it takes a lot of energy, right? For them to yeah. maintain their body heat and to keep themselves warm when it's winter. And so they don't have as much energy to lay eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you can do to help is you can up their protein in their food. I think you and I talked about that this winter, Meg, is mm-hmm. getting them a food that has a higher protein in it for the winter months. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. will sometimes help prolong um, the egg laying if you can start it in the beginning of the fall. And we also do the plastic, like Adrian said, Um, Because it's crucial that they're able to still go outside as much as they can because they won't turn on each other. They have more space. Um, And I mean, they're animals, right? They need to be inside. They're not designed or outside. They're not designed to be inside Mm -hmm. for seven months out of the year (laughs) if you live in northern Michigan. Um, And so we do the plastic on the runs as well. And we even have our run is pretty big. And part of our run also has a full bone roof on it as well. Mm Um, and so we will plastic up the sides of that part too. So the snow doesn't come through the roof and then it doesn't blow through the sides. Yeah. And So they have dirt all year round
0: mm-hmm.
2: to, to scratch. and right. And so I think that mm-hmm. that's really important too. And to do dust baths and, and as you know, Meg, as we've talked more about it, that helps keep the lice and, and whatnot yes. down. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's Another thing too, is just to realize, you know, that's another reason why they don't lay in the winter is because they are trying to keep their body heat up and it takes a lot of energy for them. So yeah, they're not just being stubborn or worthless, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're going
1: to themselves alive.
0: <laughs> right. They're going through that, win- that winter cycle. So. <laughs> Corinne, you mentioned the dust baths in the winter. Um, just a tip for anybody who lives in the winter area and needs a way to do a dust bath but those long kind of shallow under the bed boxes those plastic under the bed boxes Mm -hmm. are an awesome way and we just dump a bunch of diomataceous earth into the that bed and they can go in there and um dust bath in the winter with that and the diomataceous earth is also very um caustic to fleas and ticks and they don't they don't and lice they don't like it and it kind of gets under their shells and kind of scratches them so they won't you know, so it's a deterrent for them. So um, that's one way to dust bathe in the winter. That's relatively inexpensive, and it kind of serves more than one purpose, um, because you're deterring the ticks, but you're also giving them something to do. Um, I've read also that dust bathing for or dust bathing for chickens is actually really a social event. And they all go no. and they want to lay in it, and they yes. want to just, they do it together. Yes, and so that's do. where I got one of those big boxes. Yes. It's like hot tubby, you know. Like, it that. Mm. So so they get. I got one of those big boxes, or so two or three of them could be in there at a time. And then I find too that the roosters just kind of stand over them and watch them, just kind of like I don't know. It's a like spa event fetish thing. but <laughs> yeah, um, we do the same thing. So. It's really yeah. important for them to be able to do that in the winter too. And I think people forget to bring, cause when they're out free ranging the summer, they'll kind of dig their own hole and kind of get into it and dust bath and flip around. And, um, but in the winter, they don't really have that opportunity when they're stuck in the run. And so to provide them with one with an under the bed box, I mean, target has them for like six bucks and you just go and you dump a bunch of DE in it and mm-hmm. yeah, they're happy, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. So we do the and, same so thing. Yeah. Well, so this is where I went wrong. And (laughs) like with the with the lice is I didn't even think about it. And I had another farmer friend that um, on Instagram tell me this to even look inside of their coop when it gets really cold. And where they're in the bedding, they're even dust bathing, they may start doing that in Mm. the bedding and to then dump some DE in there as well. So they utilize that space and use it there if they decide not to use a designated area. And because what happened with us with lice was that deep freeze came in and I think Dolly was our culprit. She seems to be the ongoing problem in our (laughs) group. (laughs) <laughs> the dolly part oh, in general her. is not the problem with for the world our dolly yeah. is <laughs> um, <laughs> but she she was the one I noticed it on first and then I think she was dust bathing where everybody else was dust bathing and the D mm-hmm. wasn't present there and then they spread it and then you, you know how it goes it happens in schools well yeah so now we're fine I feel like we finally are getting it under under control now that we have them back does bathing regularly and there's been plenty of de given to them nesting box herbs have been present there is acv and um a little bit of brawners in their water and <laughs> and right. i um now have a clean coop which i was not wanting to clean out that coop and i even read to take all that bedding and just dump it somewhere else don't put in your compost don't put it anywhere near where they're going to be because it could still have the lice in it and so we're just like dumping it randomly far off in the land away from where anyone will get into it so Mm. I guess that's the upside of having acreage but yeah I loved
2: that picture of Mike in his like essential like homemade hazmat suit of him cleaning out the coop with like his masks. on. I mean you know we're so used to everyone wearing masks right now. I know but, at this point, yeah. But it was so funny seeing him all decked out in his outfit. And I was like, yeah, she's going to hose him off before she even allows him to go into the house.
1: Yes. Even well, if, He almost came in knew. for lunch and I was like, oh no, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> no. <gotta> stay outside.
2: <laughs> so did you ever hear them? Because we got, our girls got lice uh, not last summer, but the summer before. And um, we... The roosters that we had at the time, we ended up having to get rid of because we had three, which were too many for our, for our flock. And they were nasty and, um, they really beat up on the girls bad. But so I had just started in the process of them starting to grow their feathers back and stuff, um, because they lost so many feathers from the roosters, like mounting Mm -hmm. them
0: and being super (laughs) aggressive. And
2: so they had just started growing them back.
0: And they weren't right. And, it's a good um, way to teach your kids the birds and the bees. The
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they were just starting to look healthy again. And then the same thing that started happening. happened, they started losing mm. their feathers again. And I'm like, what is happening? They're not molting. Mm-hmm. We don't have any roosters anymore. And then one night I went in to lock them up and they, they were already all roosting. And I could hear them. I could it's hear wild. the bugs.
1: I and could see I, them on them, but I never heard them.
2: Why? Now at this time, you know, we had twenty-two hens.
1: Okay. So yeah. you
2: know, quite a quite a few. And I was like, "Whoa! What am I hearing?" And I was so, so <laughs> grossed out.
1: Like, was mm-hmm. it like a, course, like a like, like a like a
2: buzzing kind of, and like a really low it, buzzing? It, and I and I would I got like real close to the girls because I was like, "Okay, what am I hearing?" It was definitely on them, and I was like, "Oh, so of course, you know." Go, I well, finish locking him up. I go running back up to the house. I start googling, yeah. And that is when I realized, like, the feather loss and what was happening, and 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 it, apparently, it's really common to be able to kind of hear to hear them. Yes. But oh, oh yeah, it was it was nasty.
1: Well, I had to make sure <laughs> that we couldn't get them. Yeah, nice. I was just gonna right. say,
0: can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs>
1: yeah because I feel like people are like how did you not get them all over you and yeah they like to eat feathers they don't eat hair and fur
0: yeah so unless your dog is like
1: living in the coop and going in the coop and in the run continually they might bring them in but they won't get you that's like the extent of what I learned
0: That was my favorite. You, when you texted, you were like, "Mike wants to know if we can get them too," and I was like, "No, it's okay. You can
1: go in there safely." Yeah, I particularly am looking at Adrian because she's the doctor, and I'm like, "Are we okay?" Like, yeah, (laughs) yep, all good. (laughs) That was like the number one thing. Okay, so before we close off here, what are your like? Each one of you share your top two to three things that, if you were a new chicken owner you would immediately mm-hmm. want somebody to know or things that they should consider about getting chickens i mean um, i can start by telling saying mine if you guys yeah. need a minute but
0: go for it
2: yeah you go
1: okay so if i were to tell somebody what to consider it would be where you live and the types mm-hmm. of, and thus choosing chickens that conducive to the area you live so if you live in a warm climate getting warm climate chickens don't go for the optics or the look of the chicken as much as the the type and how they will adapt to where you live there are beautiful chickens no matter where you live and it's not always about that the other thing is is to really think through the coop and how it will integrate into your life i think you know because If you're in how you're using the chickens like we designed our coop to have these the nesting boxes accessible inside so that like because of winter and cold and all the varying weather that we experience in northern michigan and living on a hill i didn't always want to be totally exposed when we were gathering eggs i wanted it to be an inside sort of experience especially with kids and things so that was something that Mm -hmm. I thought about, but obviously everybody's different. But I think thinking through some of those things before you jump into choosing a coop design or doing a ch- coop, then that's really good. And also knowing that if you're building it from scratch, it's going to take five times as long as you think it will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless you have a professional builder. <laughs> but even then, <laughs> it's still going to take forever and it's going to suck yeah. everything out of your life.
2: <laughs> yes, it's, it's and they grow so fast. That you they, get them at these tiny chicks that are one or two or day, two days old and they're teeny, and you think, oh, I've got all the time in the world to get the coop done. And you actually do not.
1: Nope. <laughs> I because know. Because they, <laughs> <at rapid, laughs>
0: they grow at rapid speed. <laughs>
1: they do. So those are my yeah. things.
0: I think that building off of what Megan said about choosing the breed um, for where you live, but also you can kind of design your flock based on their temperaments. Mm. Um, like for example, we we really like Brahmas because they they're really big chickens and they tend to be really, really docile, but because of their size, they tend to be sort of the top of the pecking order. But because they are so docile, they they are not usually the bully like some of the Rhode Island Reds can be, or mm-hmm. some of the um the, what are those? The Dominiques can sometimes be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, or the the barred rocks can be a little aggressive. And so um you know, we really like, like certain breeds, like, um, buff Orpingtons mm-hmm. and, um, Rhode love, uh, buffs. Buffs love the and dramas. Like we kind of chose our flock based on their personalities and chose some more docile breeds, which cut down a lot on the, the pecking. Um, also one thing I read was that sometimes if a chicken looks different than the rest of them, that one will get pecked on a lot more and sometimes even to death, just like Corinne was saying, when they sense it's sick, they also sense difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I try to always get at least two to four of each breed so that if I do lose one or two, then I will never have just one. So I can prevent it from getting maybe picked on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my, that's one thing is kind of research. What, I mean, the descriptions on what their personalities are like and try to get personalities that will meld well together and that will make your flock a little less aggressive. Um, Also, definitely have a chicken guru that you can ask Mm -hmm. and text questions to, you know, like we we have each other and Mm -hmm. it's awesome because. You guys knew my trauma when there was a weasel and, you know, it was great when Megan had the lice that we could be like, get the chicken, the nesting herbs. And here's the website I used and this spray and that kind of thing. And it's just really, really nice because there is no right way to do chickens. Um, there are helpful hints and everybody does it differently. And everybody has all these brilliant ideas of how to do it and they can all work for you. And so to have different people who do things differently and like can be your go-to that you can just quickly text and be like, you know, this is going on. It's so much helpful than trying to like internet search and, and figure it out on your own. And it so can, true. it can again, things happen fast in a flock. And so you need someone or a resource that's going to know things quickly so that they can help you get to the bottom of whatever the problem is so that you can get on top of it quickly without it devastating your flock. So yeah, having a chicken guru and just designing your flock, if you're able to, to sort of meld together for being less less aggressive is really helpful.
1: Yes, that's really good.
2: I agree. All right. So I would say um, that when you get chickens for the first time that you need to at least get four to 6 mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think a lot of times people make the mistake of just bringing home like two cute chickens from their local farm store or whatever. And, um, in order for them to thrive and truly be happy, they need to be in a community. And two is not mm-hmm. a community. Um, there's a lot of places, like if you choose to buy chickens online and have them shipped to you, they won't even sell you them unless you're willing to get them and, uh, groups of six or more. So I think that's something that's really important is they need a pecking order. Mm-hmm. They need a community. Um, they're social birds. And so you need to have more than just two. And so if you live in a place where you are cannot have more than two chickens, then um, chickens are probably not a choice for you. <laughs> um,
0: you know, that being that's, said, I will say that there are a lot of people in town in Travers where we live um, that do have four to six in their backyard and they respond right. I mean four mm-hmm. to six right. chickens is, is not an unreasonable number in a in a normal nope. backyard in town. Um, right. and, and it's a healthy number to have in town and they don't overrun your yard and so if you, if you are, if you don't have a lot of property, like the three of us do, mm-hmm, um, right. it's very doable to have chickens in town. A lot of, you know, townships and cities have ordinances about no roosters or you cannot have more than four, but that is a very doable number for people who have a small space, like, right. like mm-hmm. 0.1 acres, you know, 0.1 yes. acres is then four is enough for that. So,
2: and I would say even err on the side of, of six, because you will lose one. Yeah. You know, that's Mm -hmm. another thing I think that's really important um, is that it's super common, especially when they're babies Mm -hmm. for one of them to get sick and die. And so Mm -hmm. always kind of err on the side of more more, as far as getting more. More So if, if right. So four if four to six is, you know, your limit, then I would definitely say get six because the chances are within that first few months, you will lose one somehow.
1: Yeah. We lost two before they ended up in the coop. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's a pretty common thing, which, you know, I think we talked about that too, is my, I guess my other piece of advice that we've kind of already touched on would, you know, go into a knowing um, that there will be loss. That's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, And also go into a knowing that it's an, it is an investment. These are living creatures. Um, They deserve time and a Affection and love and care, just like we would give any other pet. So, mm-hmm. even though they're not a dog or a cat that lives inside your house that you're picking up and you're smuggling, um, they still deserve all of that in a way that you would give it to a chicken. Mm-hmm. And if you have kids, it's a really wonderful learning experience about the circle of life and
1: farm life, life
2: and fertilizing <laughs> and gardens and <laughs> compost and you know all of that it's a really wonderful way to get them involved and hands-on and learn about all of those things from a pretty young age you know our boys started helping when they were tiny um and so it's a wonderful it really is a wonderful whole family event but you do have to be ready to take care of them they are easy but they're not goldfish
0: you know, so it does take, it does take time. Also one helpful hint. If you have baby chicks, you can't always tell that you have a rooster until, you know, three to four months in. Mm -hmm, So you may surprise get a rooster once in a while and roosters, you know, typically you should have like one rooster for every 15 hens, any, a bigger ratio than that will stress them. And it will, yeah. it will, it will, they'll lose their coats and they won't lay as much and it will be too much. So, um, and the
2: roosters will fight with each other. I mean, like yeah. cop fighting, it's a thing, it's a thing <laughs> they, that, that term came, came from real life events, you know? Yeah. So that's another thing to remember too. And with our last batch that we got, I paid extra from the local farm that we that's another thing get them locally if you can but I paid extra from the local farm that we got our girls from to have them sexed we got 24 because I am an even number person and three of them still ended up being roosters even though they had you know we had paid extra to only get females
0: it's so, not a science. It's not, you know, and the old chicks. Yeah. Well, right. Well, and clearly so, they can
1: choose when they want to be roosters.
0: Yeah, <laughs> who knew? Who knew? I,
1: you know, nature tells us a lot of things. And um, mm-hmm. I guess that's another thing that we can learn is that this happens in mm-hmm. nature too. You can right. you can shift your gender and you're exactly. non bi you can be whatever you want to be. You know right. so, another
0: another um pearl like we call them clinical pearls in medicine that are like things you, that will always be true for this disease process or whatever. Mm. But another little pearl for chicken owners is that roosters can fertilize one time, but if you like get rid of your rooster or, you know, he's not around the hens anymore, they can lay fertilized eggs for up to six weeks after their last encounter with a rooster. So you want to make sure if you do have roosters, you're gathering your eggs every day unless you want babies or unless you want want babies in your frying pan. So, um, if you, if you you have a rooster and you're getting fertilized eggs and you harvest your eggs every single day, you won't even know it that they're, that they're fertilized. You won't even know it, but you leave them out there to get incubated for a couple of days, and you'll have a surprise in your frying pan, which is very traumatic. So if you have oh, a rooster, harvest your eggs every <laughs> I day. I never thought of that. Well, that was one thing we didn't touch on. Yes, you guys, the whole time with broody, hen. oh, broody hens. We yeah. didn't talk about broody hens
2: not once, because that's a big thing, Megan. You're oh, going to yeah. go through that this spring for the first time. Yeah, and sometimes watching... you have to separate them because they'll go broody even without a, without
1: a rooster. Yeah. Hen.
2: And you'll have to yeah. separate them from the nesting area sometimes for a couple of mm-hmm. days so that they go unbroody and then you can bring them back into the flock. Um, they get super nasty. One, if they think they're laying on eggs that are going to yeah. hatch into babies, they they get nasty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and they'll stop eating and they'll stop drinking, they'll eat and drink just really minimally. Mm-hmm. And um so then it's I always kind worry of adorable
0: though.
1: <laughs>
2: it is It is. Yeah. But, but when you don't have a rooster it's heartbreaking because you're like yeah. okay you're sitting here and sacrificing like your mental health and your weight and your eating and your drinking of water and all of these things thinking you're going to become a mom Aww. and it is not going to happen um so you'll ha- we always have had like when we didn't have roosters in the past we would have to remove her from the next same boxes for like three mm-hmm. to four days so she would become unbroody and then we would put her back in the in the coop and in the
1: run. So gonna we're going to have just, to do a lot of isolation in our coop this year, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we're
2: going we're gonna to have a lot of tough conversations. It's going to be like 2020
1: all over again for those girls.
0: Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> like
1: it is. In <laughs> Yeah. Well, you guys, thank you so much for being on. Seriously. I think people are going to love this because I cannot us. tell you how many questions I get about chickens. And I'm like, listen, I... I I'm only nine months into this adventure. I'm not, I'm not that deep and I don't always have the right answers. So
2: it's been so fun. I'm glad that we were able to do it.
1: Thanks so much to Corinne and Adrian for jumping in and allowing this amazing conversation to happen. I hope you guys loved it and enjoyed it. And if you have any questions, you are more than welcome to shoot me an email or if you're in the community, you know where to go. You can, there's a whole section on chickens and small animals. And Corinne and Adrian are both in the community as well. So, kind of a fun thing that you can connect with them there if you're already in our community, if you have questions for these amazing women. I cannot wait till next week because next week we have Doug Ptolemy, who runs the Homegrown National Park. He has written multiple books, um, such as Bringing Nature Home, Nature's Best Hope, and the The Nature of Oaks. Doug's books are some of my favorites. If you are interested in native plants, how to make a massive impact, even as an individual with a small amount of land, you yourself can make a difference in the environment. It is not all doom and gloom. And it was just so great to sit and ask some questions with Doug and for him to give me a little bit of his time. So I cannot wait to share that awesome discussion that I had with him. That will be next week. Till then, I'll see you all out there.